1 Kings 18, verses 19 through 39, these are God's words. Now therefore send and gather all Israel to me on Mount Carmel, the 450 prophets of Baal and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent for all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together on Mount Carmel. And Elijah came to all the people and said, How long will you falter between two opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answered him not a word. Then Elijah said to the people, I alone am left, a prophet of Yahweh. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Therefore, let him give us two bulls. And let them choose one bull for themselves, cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. And I will prepare the other bowl and lay it on the wood, but put no fire under it. Then you call on the name of your gods, and then I will call on the name of Yahweh, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. So all the people answered and said, It is well spoken. And Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose one bowl for yourselves and prepare it first, for you are many. And call in the name of your God, but put no fire. So they took the bull which was given them, and they prepared, and called on the name of Baal from morning even till noon, saying, O oh, Baal, hear us. But no voice, no one answered. Then they leaped about the altar which they had made. And so it was at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, Cry aloud, for he's a god. Either he is meditating, or he is busy, or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. So they cried aloud and cut themselves, as was their custom, with knives and lances, until the blood gushed out on them. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But no voice, no one answered, no one paid attention. Then Elijah said to all the people, Come near to me. So all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of Yahweh that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of Yahweh had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of Yahweh. And he made a trench around the altar, large enough to hold two sands of seed. And he put the wood in order, and cut the bowl in pieces, and laid it on the wood, and said, Fill four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, Do a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, Do a third time. And they did a third time. So the water ran all round the altar, and he also filled the trench with water. And it came to pass at the evening sacrifice, then Elijah the prophet came near and said, Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Hear me, O Yahweh, hear me, that this people may know that you are Yahweh God, and that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Then the fire of Yahweh fell, and consumed the burnt sacrifice 
and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. Now, when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. So far the reading of God's inspired and inerrant work. Well, when the passage begins, Ahab and Jezebel and anybody who is on the side of Baal uh, think that, uh, that Baal has the advantage uh, or that the odds are in his favor. Uh, but uh, although the odds or advantage uh, are uh, at least presently here, 850 to 1, prophets of Baal... 450, prophets of Asherah, 400, and government subsidized, approved, endorsed prophets at that. Uh, there actually, there's no such thing as odds, is there? Because God works all things according to the counsel of his will. Uh, or as uh, we may well summarize uh, what we learn from scripture, he hath foreordained whatsoever comes to pass. So there's no such thing as odds. And ultimately, there's no such thing as advantage. God, God has the advantage. And that's something that uh, those who are his enemies need to be reminded of. Um, if they are going to be uh, made into subjects, it's a kindness to remind people that uh, Jesus is in control now and he does destroy all his enemies later. We'll hear that. Uh, in the preaching this evening in Romans 2, 1 through 5, uh, and again next uh, Wednesday night in the following part in Romans 2. Uh, and we heard it a couple of days ago when we previewed that passage in the family worship. Um, and that's actually a big part of this passage, as we'll see later, that the reason God is reminding them that he is always uh, in control and that he always has the advantage, as it were, uh, is because he is offering them an opportunity to turn their hearts back to him. Uh, and next week, Lord willing, uh, in the following passage, when Elijah does the thing where God has him run in front of the chariot of Ahab, uh, God will re-offer to Ahab uh, to have his own word in the person of his prophet run before the king, uh, and for Ahab uh, to have the same odds uh, with respect to the rest of the world as Elijah did with the prophets of Baal and Asherah. Uh, and this is, of course, something that believers know, that one with God is always uh, in the majority. Um, so uh, the, the contest seems lopsided enough, uh, but it's not lopsided enough enough. Uh, very similar to when Gideon has a few thousand men, remember, and... Uh, and uh, God keeps saying too many because he wants to save with less so that they will get the point that uh, you know, God could take on the Chinese army with you know, a, a half a dozen amoebas and <laughs> destroy the Chinese army. Uh, and he may or may not let the amoebas eat some brains along the way, uh, but God himself can wipe out the entire army. Uh, and he lets us eat a little bit of brain uh, as the amoebas 
He's giving us the privilege of being used by him. Just in the illustration. I may have used taken the analogy too far. Um, but uh, that's, uh, that's a lot of the point, isn't it? Uh, with the... Um, uh, with not just the don't put any fire under it, but now dig a trench around it and douse it with water and do it three times. And, uh, so uh, he's, he's making the point that uh, you can make the odds even way worse than they appear to be. And you know how we're using the word. There's no such thing as odds. You can make the advantage appear to be even way worse than it appears to be now. Uh, and it's immaterial. Because one with God wins. Uh, that's what we do. And sometimes we win by dying, right? We love not our lives even unto death. And it says they overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of his testimony in Revelation 12. It's talking about guys that got executed for believing. So if your, your understanding of victory uh, doesn't include the possibility of getting executed, you're not thinking the same way that the Bible is. Uh, you know, so you know, raise your 21st century crusader army that's going to march out of Moscow, Idaho, and take over uh, America when, uh, when the culture falls. Uh, but that's not victory uh, as far as per- perhaps... Um, uh, that's not victory as the Bible is concerned, and the Lord may or may not give such temporal victories in his providence, and we should love neighbor and uh, and do all the right things. We're not pacifists. Uh, but sometimes we win by dying. Sometimes we overcome by the blood of a lamb and the word of his testimony, and our blood gets spilled in, test, uh, in testimony to his blood, uh, and at the resurrection... Uh, we are victors all the more. Uh, but one with God, uh, one with God is uh, always in the majority, and uh, part of the reason is that he is the God of creation and providence and redemption. Uh, now, he reminds them uh, of uh, their origins by the 12 stones. You remember the 12 memorial stones when they had crossed over into the promised land, he refers to him as the God of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Uh, the fire coming down from heaven, of course, uh, reminds them of the fire at the bush on Sinai, the fire uh, that came down and uh, consumed the, uh, or the, sorry, the pillar of fire uh, that led them in the wilderness, the fire that came out uh, from the Lord and consumed the, the sacrifice accepting it at the inauguration of the tabernacle, even the fire that consumed uh, Nadab and Habihu <laughs> a couple hours later uh, for uh, offering worship in a way that God had not commanded. There are many uh, instances in which Yahweh had displayed himself and his acceptance of his people, um, in their relationship, their being bound to him, uh, by use of fire. Uh, and so... The uh, that particular mechanism uh, reminded them of whom they were supposed to be, who they were supposed to be. They weren't supposed to be like these Canaanites worshiping Baal and Asherah. No, 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 no. God called Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, uh, and He judged and destroyed the Canaanites, uh, and He made a covenant with His people, bound them to Him, which excluded the worship of any other god. Uh, or the service of any other god. Uh, and of course, uh, 
God alone is God. Uh, not only uh, are other powers not able to stand up to him, they're all laughable, mockable. Uh, Baal is a ridiculous idol. People say, well, I think God has a sense of humor. Yes, when, when he is uh, mocking, uh, sometimes um, uh, pretty vigorously, our stupidity, our wickedness, our foolishness. You know, the, you know maybe Baal is, Baal is meditating, you know, gods needed a, their gods needed alone time sometimes. Uh, the, the thought was a, a god needed to regroup and recharge. Um, uh, the word translated busy is a word that is uh, generally used for turning aside and defecating. Uh, when it says busy there in verse 27, uh, he's saying maybe your god is on the potty. Uh, or maybe he's out of town because he's... You know, he can't be in more than one place at a time. So that's a limitation of being Baal. Uh, and apparently, uh, not only does he need to recharge mentally, uh, but he also has to recharge physically, whatever that is. Perhaps he is sleeping and must be awakened. All of this mocking. But you know what? Baal is even more mockable than that. If he was asleep or using the body, then at least he would have been real. Baal doesn't exist. He can't go potty. Even Sophia can go potty on the potty. But Baal can't go potty on the potty. And so God is, and Elijah, uh, God's prophet here, is uh, is using humor uh, to show how ridiculous it is to trust uh, in other gods. And of course, um, to trust in ourselves is ridiculous as well. Uh, but God shows himself not only the uh, God of redemption, the covenant God who joined himself to his people and atoned for their sins by sacrifice and, and displayed the burning uh, that was for his people but against his enemies uh, uh, by way of the different um, fire moments that we've already referred to. Uh, but he's also the God of creation. Uh, it's one thing to burn a sacrifice and to burn wood and to burn up or... or um, boil off water by fire. The fire consumed the stones too. Did you notice that? There were 12 stones to start and the stones burned. Think about the burning bush, right? The burning bush should have been consumed but wasn't. That was an amazing sight. How amazing is the sight when the stones burned to ash? And is there not a picture there because the 12 stones represent what? The 12 tribes of Israel, is there not a picture there of what we actually deserve, but what has not happened to us? And we'll hear a little bit more about that in the sermon tonight as well. Uh, and so when they're reminded of all those things and what they, when they see what they deserve, then for about three seconds, uh, the Israelites say, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. Uh, and how dreadful that so many of those uh, who are gathered there, uh, their repentance did not last, even after they had had such a display uh, of the wrath of God to them. And we must ask God to give us soft hearts that in the moments that we read his word or uh, are before him in prayer or hear a sermon and we're realizing um, what we deserve and that he didn't give 
he didn't put what we deserved on us, but he took it on himself and uh, the, what, that he offers himself to be our strength and life and victory and hope uh, so, the, so that we are guaranteed resurrection and, um, and the overcoming of all our enemies, ultimately all the stuff that God has done for us. And we have that moment, uh, maybe not uh, so much in terror as probably theirs was, um, uh, but amazement at him. Uh, having fled to Christ for our refuge, and we say, "The Lord, Lord, you are God," uh, and our hearts are renewed unto repentance, and we can't wait to uh, to go, you know, put our shoes on and brush our teeth and do our our homework and everything else that we do uh, as unto the Lord who has redeemed us for Himself, uh, and we get that moment uh, of uh, renewed desire and dependence upon Him and devotion to him, delight in him. Um, one of the things we need to ask the Lord is uh, to make those things endure, to keep uh, who he is and what he has done for us and whom he has made us to be unto himself, to keep all those things uh, on our heart and on our mind, that the Spirit would do that so that we wouldn't be like Israel, who can say, Yahweh, he is God, Yahweh, he is God, and see this great display and then... Uh, and then very quickly kind of uh, forget it and back to life as normal, business as normal, uh, devoted to other things, depending on other things, uh, delighting in things uh, all apart from him, forget it, forgetting him in all of our devotion and dependence and, uh, and delight. Uh, but the Lord here is showing himself very merciful. Uh, when, uh, when Elijah prays, he doesn't just pray, uh, let it be known that you are God in Israel. He wants the people to know that Yahweh alone is God. Uh, and uh, that I am your servant. He wants the people to know that uh, God's word in Elijah's mouth is, is truth. Uh, but, uh, and that I have done all these things at your word. But he says then in verse 37, Hear me, O Yahweh, hear me, that this people may know that you are Yahweh God and that you... Turn their hearts back to you again. That they may see how they ought to have been consumed like those stones. But instead, you gave them a moment to see your patience, Lord. And to know that you are a giver of repentance. So that as they see what they deserve, as you see what you deserve, and you want to turn from your sin, but you've tried so many times and you keep doing what? You keep sinning. And you come back and the Lord shows you again from his word and his spirit gives you that desire to repent and you're tempted to be discouraged and say, well, I've had that desire a whole lot of times and I've repented a whole lot of times. But the follow through on the repentance seems to be something uh, that I can't do. And the Bible says, yes, you can't do it. That's true. God is the one who gives it and he will keep giving it. He's still being patient with you. And so he actually prays that they would know that the Lord is the one who gives repentance, so that they can see that that power by which the fire comes from heaven burns all those things, and even the stones, is the almighty power that promises to give us repentance by his grace, repentance that we can't give ourselves. And so God is holding himself before us uh, as a merciful 
patient, powerful Savior. That we would hate our sin, that we would hate all idolatries, and that we would turn to him in dependence upon him. Amen. Let's pray. Lord, um, when we think carefully about Israel, we are amazed at how patient you were with them. Uh, and we thank you for giving us that glimpse, that window into the greatness of your patience and your grace and your salvation and your power and also of your wrath that we might not take sin lightly. But then when we think about ourselves carefully and accurately, we realize how greatly we have provoked you and how horrible our stubbornness and uh, remaining ongoing sinfulness are against all the grace that you have shown us. But we thank you that your patience has included for us uh, just now a reading and considering of this portion of your word and that as an act of worship as well, so that we bring you our hearts and minds before your word, trusting that as we interact with you in worship, your spirit will help us. So we ask for that now. We ask that your spirit would write the truths of this passage on our hearts, that he would work in us according uh, to that promise that is held forth here of your being a God of patience and power uh, to give us repentance, to uphold us in renewed repentance. Help us, Lord, to renew our repentance now. Help each of us to rejoice, to belong to you through Jesus, the sacrifice upon whom the fire fell in our place, so that your power would be for us to turn our hearts and to walk before you, to know you, to acknowledge your word. Do this for us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.